0: I can't bear my burdens alone, but praise the Lord, I don't have to, amen. <laughs> I don't have to bear my burdens alone. I don't have to go through this life alone. I don't have to be, uh, to live in defeat. I don't have to live in despair because I have a Savior. And let me tell you this morning that my Savior lives. Amen. He's alive forevermore. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the bright and morning star. And one day soon and very soon, dear friends, He's coming back for me. And for you, if your trust is in him, are you ready to go? Amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn to the book of Acts in the chapter number nine. I'd like to thank all of you that have been serving in in various ways. We've uh, we've had several that have been mowing and taking care of the yard and, and cleaning and doing different things here around the church. I just want you to know that I am grateful for you. And um, your reward, your benefits, are out of this world. Amen? And they'll be waiting on you when you get to that place that we're headed to, if you're trusting in Jesus. If you'd stand with me this morning, if you're able to, I believe in honoring the word of God, amen, and the God who gave it to us. Continuing... Our journey through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. We're going to begin at verse 20 there this morning. And if you found your place, look up here. You thought I was going to say, say, Amen, didn't you? <laughs> amen. Verse number 20 And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him, But their laying away was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down uh, by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them uh, coming in and going out at Jerusalem and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. This, dear friends, is the word of the Lord. Father, we give you honor and glory and praise today. We thank you, Lord, for such a beautiful day. We thank you for such a beautiful people that have come out to worship you, Lord, and we thank you for this time that we can come before the throne of grace. Lord, I thank you that we can come before the throne of grace every time, uh, but we're grateful for this time that we have right now. Father, as we were talking in Sunday school today, we were talking about the indwelling and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, we want to recognize, as was mentioned during that service, that we're bankrupt without him. And so, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit today, Lord, and we acknowledge that unless your Holy Spirit comes, nothing will happen here in this place. But Father, with your Holy Spirit comes all power. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'd pour yourself out on us today. And that you would bless us with your presence. And all the saints of God said, amen. 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 You can be seated, folks. The nursery is uh, open now for those that are five and under here today. It's back through here, this door. If it's your first time uh, here to church. And Brother Jimmy, I'm sorry, you can't go to the nursery. You're going to have to stay out here with the other big kids. Uh, But it's through that door past the men's restroom there on the right. And I believe Jessica is going back there now. So, we were in Acts chapter nine here this past Sunday. If you were here with us, if you were not here with us today, uh, we are, we have come uh, we, to a man named Saul, and this. Acts chapter 9 is not the first time we meet Saul. We meet Saul a couple chapters back. In chapter number 7, the Bible says that he was there consenting at the death of Stephen. Stephen was one of the first disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was stoned because of his faith and his trust, and especially his preaching in the name of the Lord Jesus. And and, uh, Paul was there consenting that day. He was involved in that wicked activity. We find him again uh, at the beginning of of, of Acts chapter 9. The Bible says that uh, Saul was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord and went unto the high priest and he desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way whether they were men or women he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem Saul was a very religious man he was a Jewish man he was a Pharisee he was also a Roman citizen and he was very zealous for the beliefs that he had and let me just tell you here this morning that The beliefs that Saul had uh, were very uh, sincere, but he was sincerely wrong, amen? And uh, he thought that he was doing the work of the Lord, but he was actually persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, when Jesus met him there on the road to Damascus that day, Saul was blinded. He and the men that were with him were knocked to the ground. And the first thing that Jesus said to Saul was, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The point that was made last week was that any persecution against the church, any persecution against the Christian is a direct attack against Christ himself. Amen. And uh, the Christian ought to rise up today and say, I'm glad I have a big brother named Jesus. Mm Uh, so I didn't have, I have, a, I have a, a big brother. By the way, I have a brother that's older than me, but there were 20 years between us and he didn't fail enough times for us to be in school at the same time. Uh, so I didn't have a big brother that was in school when I was in school. Some of you experienced that, that you, maybe you had a bigger brother or an older sibling that took care of you uh, when you were in school and there's none greater than the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm glad that he's in our corner. But this Saul uh, was was zealous in his attack against Christ, against Christians, and against Christianity. But the the, the problem for Saul was Paul. Uh, Saul. By the way, I'm sure I'm gonna call him both today. If you don't know this, his name is Saul and his name is Paul. His name changes. Uh, I think it's about Acts chapter 13. They begin to call him Paul. I want you to know that's the same person. I might call him uh, both of those today. Hopefully I don't introduce any other names than that. Uh, but Saul... Uh, had a plan to go to Damascus and he had asked for letters from the Pharisees and the reason that he was going to go is that he wanted to, if he found any of those that were in this way, the way meaning an identification for those that were following Christ, it had become known as the way. Why? Because Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's still true today by the way. Uh, But anyway, Saul was looking for those and his goal was to find those that were in the way and he was going to bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what was going to happen to them once they got back to Jerusalem because there had already been a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ that was in the way that had been persecuted to the point of death. He had been stoned to death and Saul was a part of that. So it's very clear what Paul's intentions were, but I'm grateful today that although Saul had a plan, the Lord had a different plan, and uh, the Lord met him there on that Damascus Road that day as he was traveling, and uh, Saul had an encounter with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, he became a follower of Jesus Christ in the days that followed that, and that's where we pick it up here in uh, verse number 20, and I want you to see the beginning here. Uh, if, if, actually, if you back up just a little bit, in verse 18, it says that immediately there fell from his eyes, speaking of Saul, uh, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and he was baptized. In other words, Saul had not been able to see properly before, and before you're saved, you're not going to see uh, the way that you ought to be seeing. We are blinded uh, by, by our sins. We're blinded by uh, uh, the the prince of the air, uh, the 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 power of this world, Satan. We're blinded by. Uh, a number of things, but when we come to Jesus, those scales fall from our eyes, and we're able to see things that we'd never seen before. And Saul received sight for it with, and he arose, and he was baptized. He was obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, doing everything that he had been called to do. And when he received meat, the Bible says that he was strengthened. And then Saul was certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. Now, straightway, verse 20, he preached. Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God can you imagine what a difference this was for those that had known Saul uh, for those who knew who he was and the activity that he had been engaged in before here is this man that had been the persecutor of Christ now he's the preacher of Christ this man that had been the attacker of the gospel now he's the apostle and uh, Saul uh, there was a great change and I've, you hear me say it almost every week that if any man be in Christ he is a new creation and Saul had become a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there he was sharing Christ everywhere that he went. But all that heard him were amazed, verse 21. And they said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? You have to, to think about the, uh, uh, the viewpoint that the disciples had because they knew what had happened uh, with Saul in Jerusalem. They knew that Stephen had been persecuted, they knew that Stephen had died, and they knew that Paul had letters and he was coming to Damascus. For for the express purpose of binding them up and shipping them off uh, to the same end there in Jerusalem. And here he is standing there preaching Christ, and they're a little bit weary. So hold on just a minute. Isn't this the same guy that was engaged in all of this evil stuff in Jerusalem? But Paul, he didn't pay any mind to that. He preached Christ that he is. The Son of God. You know, I'm thankful that that the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) even in the midst of his sin, even in in the midst of his unbelief, that the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to meet Saul right where he was. Amen. He met him there on that day. He had a different plan for his life, and, and uh, he revealed himself to Saul. And Saul, when he, the, the Bible says that there was a great light there, and here it is in the middle of daytime. The Bible says it's about noon uh, there in the New Testament. And this light was so great that it caused Saul to fall on his face and the men that were with him. It blinded him, the Bible says. And Saul knew without a shadow of a doubt because Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And and when Saul asked who he was, he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Saul had no question any longer who Jesus was. He had, he had met the risen Savior. You can bet, this is shortly after Jesus was crucified, uh, buried, risen again, and ascended to the Father. You can bet that Saul knew of Jesus long before that day. You can bet that he knew who Jesus was. He just rejected who Jesus was. And oh, how many people there are walking the earth today that have heard of Jesus, they know who he is, but they've never received him as Lord. They've rejected him as their King, as their Lord, and as their their savior Uh, but Saul came or Jesus came and he revealed himself to Saul and Saul knew without a shadow of a doubt after that day that he is the son of God and it says in verse 22 that he increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus proving that he is the very Christ that word proving means to basically to convince uh, someone else to have the same viewpoint that you have Paul uh Paul was was confident in the gospel and he was preaching in such a way empowered by the Holy Spirit that others were beginning to agree with him. Now the disciples were confused by all of this. They didn't understand. Isn't that the way it is oftentimes folks as disciples of Christ that, that we just don't quite understand what's happening uh, the Lord's got a plan, and he's doing something far bigger than us and, and far wider than what we can see. You, you look at the lives of the disciples as they, as they walked with Jesus Christ, and uh, oftentimes they were confused at what Jesus was doing. Jesus would say, I'm, I'm going to go be crucified, and Peter would stand up and say, not so, Lord, and the Lord would say, Peter, get, get behind me, Satan. Uh, Peter didn't understand what the Lord was going to do. He asked Philip to feed the uh, the 5,000. and Philip said, Lord, that's my goodness gracious. That would take 200 penny worth of bread, uh, about a year's wages to feed all these people. And, and uh, he forgot who he was with that day, didn't he? The disciples, as we're walking through this life, we don't often understand what it is that God is doing. But I'll tell you what we ought to understand is who we're with, amen? amen. So we see the beginning of Saul's newfound life. And I I want you to know also, this is the beginning of Saul's ministry. This is the beginning of one of the greatest uh, works that God would do on the face of this earth through this man named Saul. I want you to just stop and think for one moment about what this world would be like if there wasn't a Saul. I want you to think about how much thinner this book that you hold in your hands would be if there wasn't a Saul. Saul. Not only the books about him, uh, like the book of Acts that we're reading today, but all the epistles and letters that he wrote to the churches. I want you to think about the churches that he started in Corinth and Ephesus and Galatia and all these different places where he went preaching and teaching the word. I want you to think how different their lives would have been without Saul and I want you to realize how different your life would be without him. And that's why we see here beginning in verse 23 the battle can I remind you today that after you have a beginning in Christ the next thing to come is a battle it's not going to be a a cake walk it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world a matter of fact Jesus said in this world you shall have tribulation if you're walking with Jesus today you're going to be taking enemy fire dear friend and if you're walking today and you're not taking enemy fire uh, I'd say you're not in a battle (coughs) pardon me But Saul uh, was in a great battle there. The Bible says in verse 23 that after many days uh, were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. And how interesting this is because here we have this man named Saul who had been the hunter. He'd left Jerusalem and he was coming to Damascus so that he could bind people and and persecute him. He was the hunter. Now the hunter has become the hunted. And people have heard that this man that used to be a Pharisee and, and uh, he used to be serving those there in Jerusalem, now he is preaching this man named Jesus, and we absolutely cannot have that. And I want to tell you, if you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be hunted. Uh, but, but dear friend, when it comes, let me tell you, look up to heaven and say, thank you, Lord, I must be on the right path. Yeah. I must be on the right path if I am taken Uh, persecution here today these men gathered they took counsel that they might kill him but their lying await was known of Saul the Lord was not finished with Saul just yet he was just getting started and he wasn't going to let anything happen to Saul right there off the bat they watched the gates day and night to kill him now let me remind you that these people that were now hunting down Saul were those that he used to serve with These were the people that he used to be in cahoots with. Probably many of them might have been family members, fellow Jews, uh, maybe business partners people in his community, people of his own household maybe that were now standing against him. And as I say that today, some of you are sitting in your seats and you know exactly what this is like to be persecuted by your own family, uh, by your own friends, by your own people uh, because of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus said his servants, not greater than his master. They persecuted me. They will also persecute you. So Saul has a beginning, and Saul has a battle that's going on. But look here in verse 25. The Bible says that the disciples took him by night and let him down the wall in a basket. In a basket. Here's Saul in uh, Damascus. Uh, that's, That's where we're reading about right now. And Saul has been gloriously saved and converted there on the Damascus road. And he's come out of that experience strengthened. The Bible says that he's getting stronger day by day. As the time went on, Saul was strengthened as he spent time in the word of God. And he spent time in prayer. And he was growing in his relationship and in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was growing stronger. He was growing bolder also, by the way. We'll read about that here in just a moment. Uh, And he was going about and telling the world about this Savior uh, named Jesus Christ. And here come these men. They don't like what he's doing. They don't like what he's saying. The enemy doesn't mind Christians as long as they keep their mouth shut. He doesn't mind us coming into church and sitting in a pew as long as we don't take our faith out of this place when we leave. He doesn't mind us going into uh, a family and being a Christian family member. He doesn't mind if we go to work and we're a Christian uh, employee or a Christian co-worker. He doesn't mind if we serve in a, in, a, in a school or a government or wherever it is. He doesn't mind any of those things as long as we keep our faith to ourselves. Uh, but the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be declared to the world, amen? And Saul was obedient to that. He's being attacked, he's being persecuted because of this. And the only people he had here in this life that might be a help to him were other believers. Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Might I add, disciples who were absolutely scared to death of this man named Saul. Now, can we just take a moment and recognize the gravity of what's happening here? It would sort of be like us Having to trust that all of a sudden Kim Jong un is all of a sudden a Christian and he's here preaching Jesus. I want you to think how warmly he would be received. This man that we have known as a, a, uh, somebody that wants to destroy people. And that's who Saul was. I want you to realize that maybe some of the people that Saul had been persecuting, this might have been their family or their friends that he had already destroyed or been a part of their demise. And here uh, we saw it it, it, in the last chapter or the last uh, service when the Lord spoke to Ananias and said, I want you to go to Saul and and I want you to to lay your hands on him and pray for him and, and he's had a dream that you're coming and I'm gonna be with you and all these things. And Ananias said, Lord, whoa, don't you know who this is that you're sending me to? This is Saul. This is the one that persecuted everybody. You're going to send me to this man? And the Lord said, Ananias, yes, I am. The Bible says that a group of disciples got together, and they knew without a shadow of a doubt that if they didn't do something, Saul was going to perish. And I don't read anywhere where they had a a great deal of money, I don't don't read anywhere where they had a great deal of power. They didn't uh, send letters to the the governors or to the kings or anybody like that. I don't read anywhere of of great weaponry where they come out with swords and staves and and the latest military equipment or any of their sayings. But you know what they did have? They had a basket. These men had a basket. And they put Saul inside of that basket, the Bible says, and they let him down the wall that he might, uh, that he might be able to, to flee uh, from that dangerous situation that he was in. And can I tell you here this morning that every single one of us have a basket. Every single one of us have an, uh, an area of influence in our lives and there are people around us uh, that are in our basket or ought to be in our basket. Amen? God had there was no uh accident that they were in the place that they were at with a man that they were at in the time that they were there God had ordained every single bit of this and he had given them everything that they needed to do everything that he was going to ask them to do and they had a responsibility to help this person that was in need and I want to ask you as we're gathered here this morning who is it that's in your basket who is it that is in great need that need that some of you you might have a, 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 just a baby Christian that has just given their heart to the Lord and they don't know very much about the Lord at all and they need to be put in somebody's basket that can help them along? Because I can tell you this much: the Bible is a roaring or the devil rather, the devil is a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. And if stronger Christians don't come along and help some of those, uh, that are, that are new, that are babes in Christ, the devil is going to chew them up and spit them out. We need people that are willing to, to mentor and to serve with some of these younger people. We need, first of all, we need Christians, uh, that will become a mature Christian themselves, the Bible talks uh, about the being nourished in the word of God. And, and there's, there's times where Paul talks about giving the milk of the word. Milk is what you give a baby, right? Anybody bring a newborn home and give them a cheeseburger and a, and a box of fries? and They can't handle it, right? Now listen, that's the way it is with the word of God. When you start out with the milk of the word and then you move on to meat as it goes along and, and the more you're nourished and the more you're fed, the stronger you get and you grow and you're, you're able to go places and do things and, and be a part of the kingdom of God. But the problem is we have Christians that have, that have given their hearts to Christ but they've spent their entire life, they, they don't drink the milk, they don't eat the meat and they're still sucking their spiritual thumbs because they've never grown one single bit. You can't help somebody else unless you're strong yourself. And you have a responsibility yourself to be in the Word of God. You have a responsibility yourself to be in prayer. You have a responsibility yourself to be in in services where we have Sunday schools and prayer meetings and other activities where we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. The Lord serves up plenty of wonderful nourishment at this place on a regular basis, but there are a few that pull up a place at the table. Plate sitting full, ready to be consumed. gets tossed out because there's nobody here to eat it. We have a responsibility once we become a Christian, and Saul, by the way, Saul was just a baby Christian himself, right? But Saul was obedient to the Lord, and as soon as he heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, he began, he was obedient, he was, he was baptized, uh, he began to fellowship with, with other uh, saints. The Bible says he gathered together with Aaron Damascus, and he began to tell other people that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Your call is no different than that. Your call is to be obedient. If you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized. If you're not a member of a church, you need to be a member of a church. None of these things save you, but these are things that saved people do after they're saved. You ought to be baptized, you ought to be a part of a church, and you ought to be sharing Jesus Christ with those people around you. But even having the ability to do all of those things, Saul still needed some other people. And by the way, I don't know about you, but uh, Brother Kenny, if I had to put you in a basket and lower you down the wall, I'm not sure I could do it by myself. I think I would need some help. Don't you? Amen. Uh, the Bible says here that we just read, that the disciples, notice there's an end, an S on the end of that word. It's plural. There was more than one person that was there helping Saul in that time frame. And we need people that are willing to serve and willing to help and willing to mentor and help some of these other people along because if not, the world's gonna chew them up and spit them out. So Saul has a beginning he has a battle. All of us have a basket. And by the way, can I say this too? If you're the person that's the baby Christian, would you allow yourself to be put in somebody's basket? Here, these men, I'm sure, were, were willing. The Bible tells us they did lower Saul down in that basket, but Saul hadn't made a choice to get in that basket. He had to allow them to help him. I mean, you can stand there at the edge of the wall and say, you're going to do what? And We're going to lower you down there. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm more comfortable up here. Well, you stay up here, you're going to perish. You have to be willing to get in somebody's basket. There might be somebody here today that somebody's been trying to help you already, and you haven't let them help you. You've not allowed yourself to get in that basket. You need to be submissive and responsible as well. Saul had a beginning. He had a battle. He had a basket. And bless the name of the Lord, he had a Barnabas. And look what happens here. Verse 26, when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And they believed not that he was a disciple. Now, we, we need to understand something here for just a moment. The time frame of, of, of what's happening here, if, if you'll turn over to uh, Galatians and chapter number one, actually, I think the verse may be on the screen. Gage is able to put it up here in a second. We read our Bibles and we read verses one after another like they just happen simultaneously. But sometimes there's weeks, months, years, and maybe even hundreds of years that have passed from one verse to the next. And the Bible tells us in Galatians, number one, uh, a letter, by the way, that Paul or Saul wrote to the church in Galatia. He says, beginning at verse number 11, that I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Paul's, Paul, what Paul's saying is, I didn't get taught this gospel from other men. This didn't come from me. It, did, it didn't come from those people that were around me. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, But by the revelation of Jesus Christ, can I tell you one thing? Uh, I was sharing this with somebody the other day that when I was a new Christian, I spent a lot of time reading Christian books, and some of us are guilty of reading every Christian thing in the world except for the Bible. There's no better place to find out about Jesus Christ than the book about him. And that's where Saul uh, got his revelation straight from Jesus Christ. Uh, For you've heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and I profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals, uh, in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus." There's a, a, a little known, well, I don't want to say little known, but there's a fact known about Saul that Paul, that he reveals here that his revelation came from Jesus Christ. He didn't get it from Peter. He didn't get it from John. He didn't get it from other, any of these men. He got it from a direct uh, a revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches that Saul spent three years in the Arabian desert. I read somewhere that that word Arabia oftentimes would refer of an, uh, to a place there in northern Syria, which, by the way, is not far from where he's at because Damascus is in Syria. And so uh, the Bible says that when Saul was come to Jerusalem, now remember, we just read in Galatians, it said he didn't go immediately to Jerusalem. What's that tell us? That tells us that that three-year time frame happened right there in between those two verses. Saul had already spent his time alone with Jesus and received the revelation of who Jesus Christ was. But he wanted to join himself to the disciples when he did come to Jerusalem. After all of that, he wanted to join himself to Peter and and John and all the other disciples that were there serving in Jerusalem. But they were still afraid of him after three years. Now Saul kind of disappeared there for a little while because he went out into the desert where he received his revelation from Christ. uh, But they were afraid of him and they did not believe that he was a disciple. Have you ever met somebody in your life? Have you ever had somebody in your church that just showed up one day and all of a sudden they gave their heart to Jesus and you just wasn't sure about that? I'm sure that when word got out that Aaron Beacom had been saved, that there was a whole lot of people that said, there's no way. Are you kidding me? I knew that guy before this. There is no way that he is a follower of Christ that I just can't believe it. And that's the way these men were. Uh, you know, we know the things that Saul was going out and doing, but Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles. Do you remember who Barnabas is? We meet uh, Barnabas back, I think it's chapter four the Bible says when the church had just begun there was just a few thousand members of the church worldwide at that point it was shortly after Christ had ascended back to heaven uh, that people they began to gather daily and break bread and and praying and fellowship and and all of the things that that churches do and uh, people began to come and sell their belongings they would sell land and other possessions that they have and they would bring the money and they would lay it down at the feet of the apostles the first person to do that was Barnabas and by the way Barnabas his name uh, means son of consolation or son of encouragement Barnabas we're going to hear a lot more about him as we go through the book of Acts but he was an encouragement to the church can I ask you here this morning when you come into the church or when you come in contact with people are you an encouragement do you encourage other people in their walk and, and in their faith? Or are you the person that walks in and says the, uh, the car's broke down, the dog is sick, the, the, the neighbors uh, are fighting, and, and you know the, everything's going on, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, the sky is falling, and, and woe is me. I know that we all go through different things and, and, and trust me, I'm one, I have to watch myself because sometimes I get, uh, I, I get discouraged and, and get upset about certain things, but let me encourage you today to be an encouragement the way Barnabas was. And when these disciples, when Saul came, uh, they still weren't trusting in who Saul was. They, they knew uh, who he was now, rather the fact that he was a new creation and uh, it was Barnabas that took him in. We already talked about uh, you know the, the basket the area of influence that you have in your life and this goes right along with that somebody that's willing to take somebody else in that's in need who, who can you take in who can you help today Barnabas took him in he brought him to the apostles he declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly uh, at Damascus in the name of Jesus and here's Barnabas. I'll tell you what, it makes me th- wonder if, if Barnabas was one of those men. Here they are back in Damascus. Now now Barnabas makes me think maybe Barnabas was there because he knew everything that happened to Saul there in that place. You see, Saul was in the basket, but there were other men that were gathered there that were holding the line. And I wonder if Barnabas was one of the ones that was holding the line. Can I ask you today, do you, do you have your hand on a line? Are you holding the line today? Are you helping somebody along the way? Barnabas was encouraging. He was telling the others. He was giving testimony and witness for, uh, for Saul because he, he must have witnessed these things and how, how Saul was not just going about. They might have thought that this was a false conversion. Oh, he probably says he likes Jesus, but I don't know about that. But, but Barnabas says, no, he's preaching boldly. In the name of Jesus. He's, uh, it says it again in verse 29, how he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not only did he speak boldly, but he disputed against the Grecians. Those are those Jews that uh, are Hellenistic. And, uh, but they still went about to slay him. But Saul was with them coming out and going at Jerusalem. I'm grateful today, can I tell you dear friends, that somebody put me in their basket. I'm grateful today for family members that kept pointing me in the right direction even when I wasn't walking the right direction. I'm grateful for a pastor that preached the gospel here in this place and he didn't preach it once, he didn't preach it twice. He preached it for 30, how many years, 32? 32 years. years. And by the way, he's still preaching the gospel. If you want to go hear him today, he's going to be at the nursing home here in a couple hours. I'm thankful for people that were uh, nudged by the Holy Spirit to trust that somebody might have something to offer. How you could look at a person like me and say, I believe that man's going to be a preacher of the gospel and he's going to be a pastor of a church. I have no idea how uh, somebody would have done that, but you did. Uh, and I know it's by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the only way. Saw things that I didn't even see, things that I didn't even know. I'm grateful uh, for those of you that have been faithful to be in this congregation for year after year after year after year and to, to be faithful to pray and faithful to encourage. I'm grateful for a brother uh, that was always in, in my ear. I'm grateful for people that come along and said, that old boy there, he's not worth much, uh, but I'm gonna put him in my basket and I'm gonna do whatever I can empowered by the Holy Spirit to help him along. Back in in 1855, there was a kid in Massachusetts um, that was just not the greatest of kids. He'd been in some trouble and he was not very obedient. And times were tough in those days, and there wasn't much work where he was at. And he left home, and he went into Boston uh, so that he might find work there in that place. And when he got there, he struck out. And he didn't know what he was going to do. And the only person he knew to get a hold of was he had an uncle there uh, that had a business. His uncle had a shoe shop. And he called his uncle and asked if, if, if he could come there and if he could work. And his uncle knew that this, this boy was a little bit of a troublemaker, uh, but he took a chance on him. He put him in his basket, and he said, you can come work here on one condition, and that's if you go to this congregational church. And this, this young uh, man had, had grown up around a Unitarian church which didn't preach the deity of Christ, and they didn't, uh, they didn't express the need for salvation. And so this young man grew up like a lot of people. He knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know him. But he started to go to that church. And it wasn't long before at the age of 17 years old, he was going to this church and he was enrolled in the Sunday school program there. Mr. Kimball's Sunday School, the man uh, was. And he was engaged in that Sunday School and he'd been encouraged by this man to read his Bible and to come to service and and to pray and all these things. And, And he did read his Bible, but he didn't understand what he was reading. The reason he didn't understand what he was reading was because the Spirit of God did not yet dwell inside the heart of this young man. But nevertheless, people kept him in his basket. He had an uncle who kept him in his basket, and he had a Sunday school teacher that kept him in his basket to, to the extent that one day the Sunday school teacher showed up at his place of work. He was there working in the shoe shop there that day, and he was in the back of the shoe shop, and this this, uh, this Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball, had a terrible burden for this young man's salvation, and I, I read a testimony that said he, he stood outside. He almost didn't go in. He was so nervous about going in, and he thought it was probably the wrong time, and he didn't want to embarrass him in front of him of his co-workers and he didn't want to distract him from his customers and 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 you can bet that if you have a heart to do something from the Lord the devil will come along and give you 10 reasons why you, why you shouldn't do it right now but this man was faithful and he went in and he witnessed and he said you know what I don't even really know what I said other than the fact that I told him how much the Lord loved him and how much the Lord wanted him to love him back I told him how much the Lord loved him and how much the Lord wanted him to love him back. And this man that day, at the simple words of a disciple of Christ, opened the door of his heart and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ came in and the Holy Spirit came with it. He gave his heart to Jesus and he began uh, he began serving the Lord. He began uh, walking with the Lord. Matter of fact, he left Boston soon after that and went to Chicago with the intent of being a businessman and having quite a business. Uh, but when he got there, the Lord put a burden on his, on his heart for, for souls. And he began Sunday schools and uh, he began all sorts of, of mission efforts. And it wasn't long before he was preaching and he started a, a church down there encouraged by other people. He was traveling across the pond and preaching, uh, uh, services and the and, uh, United Kingdom and, and Ireland and all those places and you would know that man today is a man by the name of D.L. Moody. Nobody knows for sure but I've read accounts that say that as many as a million souls may have given their hearts to Christ at the ministry of D.L. Moody. And it all began with a couple faithful disciples that said he doesn't look much right now. He doesn't look like much right now, but I'm going to put him in my basket. And when I get him in my basket, I'm not going to let go of the line. And I want to encourage you here today to hold the line. Some of you, as I've been speaking this morning, I've talked about those that need to get someone in their basket and those that need to to be in the basket. I'm aware that there are some of you that already have people in your basket. And let me encourage you to hold the line and don't let go. Can I tell you that you have no idea really who that person is in your basket and what they can be to the glory of God. Do you think those disciples that had Saul in that basket thought he was gonna go on to write much of the New Testament? that he was gonna go on and start ministries all over, the, all over the Asia Minor there, that Saul was gonna be the man that God was gonna send the gospel to the Gentiles with. You have no idea who that person is, and they may not look like much. You may not think that you may be afraid of them. You may question their conversion. You may have all these doubts and wonders, but dear friend, none of those things are your responsibility. The Lord will take care of those things, your job is to hold the line. The last thing I'll share with you this morning is the blessing. Verse number 30, which when the brethren knew, there did come a time, by the way, that they knew that Saul was God's man. When they knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus and then had the church's rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria that tumultuous time as the gospel was being sent forth to Judea and Samaria and to the othermost part of the earth as the Lord had prophesied they were persecuted for a while but there did come a time of peace they were edified they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the holy ghost they were multiplied the church grew souls were added to the kingdom I love the end of verse 30. When the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Many of you recognize that the Bible says when it identifies Saul, it identifies him as what? Saul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus. Saul was from this place called Tarsus. Uh, it It was a community that was, at that point in time, a Roman community. That's where Saul got his, it was a free Roman community, by the way, and that's where Saul obtained his Roman citizenship. By the way, can I tell you today that God had been preparing Saul for the work that he wanted him to do his entire life? not just after he was converted. Saul needed to be a Jew and to know the law the way that he did. Saul needed to be a Roman uh, citizen uh, to have that freedom and that citizenship in the Roman kingdom. He needed to be, he needed to study under Gamaliel and have all the wisdom and knowledge that he had. He needed to be everything that he was. And I found it interesting as I studied this passage. You know what the word Tarsus means? basket basket Saul had been in someone's basket all along there was never a time in Saul's life when he was not in a basket he originated from a basket amen he originated from this place called Tarsus he, and I'll tell you whose basket he was in he was in the Lord's basket The Lord had a plan for his life, and can I tell you, because you're here today, that God has a plan for your life. And his plan is that everybody would be saved, that no one would perish, that all would come to repentance, that all would give their hearts to Jesus. And there might be someone here in our presence today that you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've been to church. You might have even been a church member, I don't know. But unless you've given your heart to Jesus, you've repented of your sin and you've asked Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Friends, you're none of His. His Holy Spirit does not dwell in you. Uh, Salvation is not yours. And if you remain in that state, your eternity will be spent in a horrible place called hell. And I believe that God in all His mercy brought you here today to tell you that I love you and you're in my basket. I've got a plan for you and I've got a place for you but you have to be willing to get in the basket. I don't know where you're at today. I know we have people of every spectrum in here this morning. You might be in the basket. You might need to get someone in your basket. You might need to get in the basket. You might need to be saved today. Whatever you need, I'll tell you where you can find the answer and it's right there on that cross. His name is Jesus and he died so that all may have eternal life. Amen? Amen. And I'm gonna, we're going to stand together now and we're going to worship together in song. But I want to encourage you, whatever your need is today, come and find your answer at the foot of the cross. You come and pray. You come and give your heart to Jesus. You come and, and ask Jesus to help you hold the line for somebody else to be the basket that somebody else needs. Whatever it is you need, you come today and you find your answers in Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you today that you have a basket for us, Lord, that you've had a plan for our lives from the very beginning. And Lord, your plan is not that we should perish. You don't want anybody to perish, Lord. Your plan is that we would be saved, that we would trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that we would be covered. Our sins would be covered by his shed blood, that they'd be forgiven. And the Bible says that once they are, that they would be put away from us as far as the east is from the west. Lord, that you would take our sins and you would bury them in the grave of your forgetfulness. Thank you, Lord, for grace and for mercy. And Lord, I pray that you'd move in every heart here today, whatever uh, whatever their need is today. Those that would be saved would trust in Jesus. That they would call upon His name, Lord. Those that uh, that, that need to be challenged would be challenged, Lord, to uh, to be looking for people to help and and to be willing to help people. And and Lord, not to prejudge who's what people are going to become and what they're going to do. That we would just trust you, uh, Lord, and we would you'd give us the strength and the endurance to hold the line and Father I pray uh Dear Lord, for those that need to allow themselves to be helped, I pray, Lord, you know it's my heart's desire that people would have a burning desire in their heart, uh, Lord, to be mentored and and discipled, that they would come to Sunday school uh, classes, and they would come, Lord, to the Sunday evening service, and they would come on Wednesday night when we pray, uh, Lord, that they would not be satisfied with being just a child in Christ, that they want to grow up in the Lord. And be mighty in his kingdom, empowered by his spirit. And again, Lord, we, we acknowledge always our bankruptcy before you. We know that we can't do anything without you. And so just the way we started this service, Lord, is the way that we'll close it. Father, if you don't do the work, nothing will happen. We ask you, Father, help us to submit to it and to receive what you're doing. Dear Lord, if there's anybody here that, that wants to make it, that has made a decision for Christ, there's somebody here that wants to be baptized, they want to be uh, added to the, to the church membership, Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you'd help them to talk to, uh, to one of the leaders here of the church and that we, might, uh, that we might help them along, Lord. Thank you again for all that you do. Thank you so much for Jesus. And we ask it all in his precious name, and amen. Amen. amen.